0: Thank you, John, and thank you, Kurt, for that time of worship. It was good, good for, good for my soul. Um, and, uh, and appropriately directing us to where we need to be directed. Um, not only just in general, but this morning as we open up God's Word, as we're looking in the book of Romans, we're going to continue our study in chapter 8. And this morning we're going to be talking about uh, prayer. And one of the things that I am, uh, it's just as before we really get into the text that, uh, that I'm just convicted about, is how often do we thank God for prayer? And how often do we really understand what is going on in prayer? I mean, I'm guilty of, and I've heard many people be guilty of saying things like this, well, I've tried all I can do, I guess the only thing left to do is Pray. And if we don't understand what prayer is, and maybe more importantly, who we're praying to, then we can, sentences like that may come out of our mouth. But when we understand that in prayer, we are going before the God of the universe, and he's listening to us. And not only that, but we're told that that Jesus himself is interceding for us in those prayers. And this morning, we're going to learn about the Spirit's work in our prayers. That we should just be in awe and thankful that we, sinners, because of the blood of Jesus, can go before God in prayer and that he hears us. And so this morning, this sermon, I I hope, and, and Kurt Set it up nicely, even though we didn't talk about what I was going to be. He knew the passage. Um, but just set it up nicely that as, as we begin this morning, that we need to be thankful and overwhelmed by this God that we serve, that hears us, and that we would be lost and hopeless without prayer. And I'm just convicted in my own life uh, how often I take prayer for granted or go to God flippantly, um, or go to God in a very routine fashion in prayer. And, and, and I just want to be thankful this morning that God, even though my attitude sometimes stinks and that I go to God in such an awful way, that He still bids me to come and allows me in a worship service like this to, to hear things and open His Word and to hear things about prayer and how I should pray and to this God that we're praying to. So today, I'm going to give you kind of the point of the sermon, and then we're going to work through these verses. And today, the point of the sermon is that the Holy Spirit sustains our hope while we're waiting for redemption through prayer. Let me say that again. is that the Holy Spirit sustains our hope while we are waiting for redemption through prayer. And as we look at our text, as we jump in this morning, we're going to look at verses 26 and 27... Um, and we look at the first word, depending upon first words or word, depending upon the version that you're reading from in my version, it says in the same way, I think the ESV says likewise. And so the first thing that I want you to see is that this text is connected to what has come before. I was listening to an interview with uh, uh, Mark Dever. He's a pastor in uh, uh, Washington, D.C., and he said that, uh, Preaching, expositional preaching, should be a lot like real estate. What's the most important thing in real estate? Location, location, location. And that as we go to a text, the most important thing of a text? Location, location, location. And so, Paul, this morning, as we're going, he gives us this word, likewise or in the same way. And so we have to look and we have to see what the context is here. And the context is very important because in a text like this, this text is, there's two things I want you to know about this text. Number one, this text is difficult. We are going to get into some deep weeds, and you may come away with more questions than any of us know how to answer in a few moments. And that's okay, join the club. The other thing is that this text, and I think because of that, this text has been taken out of context so many times and used for so many things that I don't think it was meant to be used for. And so what I'm going to really attempt to do this morning is to keep this text in its context and preach and teach you in a way where you'll understand what is going on here. And hopefully you'll see um, just how wonderful these words are. So likewise, it's in the context here. As you know, the beginning of this section, uh, as was read this morning, I'm just going to briefly go through the context. Paul is talking about Christians who are in a world that is dying and decaying all around them, and he is giving them hope. We see in verse 18, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that has been revealed to us. And, and then we learn that, that creation is groaning, awaiting The adoption of the sons, that the glory of the sons may be revealed, that creation is waiting and longing and groaning for that. And then we learn not only that, but we ourselves as Christians are groaning as we're living in a world that is broken, broken. As we talked about the past couple of weeks, it's broken. It's not what it should be. As we are going along through this world, that we are broken and that we are groaning and that we are waiting for our final adoption to get our glorified bodies. And the result of all this in verse 25, but if we hope for what we do not see, With perseverance, we wait eagerly for us. And so even last week, as we were talking about sanctity of life, and we we talked about waiting and hoping and eagerly waiting, that that is our positions as Christians in this world. And so Paul has given us some things in these verses to help us out in this waiting and in this hoping. And so as he gets to verse 26, as he gets to this Thought, he's saying in the same way, or likewise, I'm going to give you some more help here. I'm going to give you some more help for Christians who are living in a dying, decaying world and how you can endure and how you can persevere and how you can keep your hope fixed on God. So, and he's going to talk about, he's going to talk about likewise, the Holy Spirit helps us, sustains us, enables us to wait. Patiently, when we don't see, as verse 25 said, but we know. So specifically, the help that we're getting is help to endure, help to wait, help to suffer. And it's, so, so these passages are not a blank statement. These passages on prayer and the Spirit helping us in our prayer is, is not a formula on how to get a nicer car, Or a girlfriend, some of you guys. Or spouse, or that sort of thing. God cares about those things. Don't hear me saying God doesn't care about those things. But in this context, in this context, what Paul is talking about as Christians, as we're living in this world, how is it that the Holy Spirit helps us, helps us and sustains us? So the first thing I wanted you to see was uh, the context and the word likewise. The second thing I want you to see as we look, and we're just kind of walking phrase by phrase here, in the same way... Notice this, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. Now, Paul, throughout this chapter, chapter 8 of Romans, has talked about the work of the Spirit in our lives. And, and, and something that you need to do, and I'm just going to briefly tell you some of the things that Paul talks about, but this, this chapter, Romans 8, is, as Gary said, and as I have told you, the Holy Spirit is mentioned here more times than the rest of the book. So Paul is emphasizing here the role of the Holy Spirit in our life and just some of the things that it says that the Holy Spirit does in this chapter is it sets us free from the law of sin and death. It gives us life. It helps our minds. It helps us to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. It helps us in living a righteous life. The Holy Spirit helps us kill the deeds of the flesh. And the Holy Spirit also reminds us who we are. It bears witness in our souls that we are sons and daughters of God. And here, the last work of the Spirit that's, that's contributed to the Holy Spirit in this text, it tells us that not only all of this, but the Holy Spirit also helps us as we pray, helps us to endure. Now, maybe just a side note um, We need to be people who are thankful of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And we need to understand the work of the Spirit in our lives. And the Bible talks a lot about this. And a lot of times in my own prayers, I am asking and pleading for God for the work of His Spirit in my own life. To convict me of sin. To lead me into righteousness. To help me when I don't know what to choose. And to empower me. As I study his word to see things rightly as I ought. So we need to be dependent upon the spirit and give thanks to God for that. Now, as we look and as we look at the spirit's role, it says that the spirit helps us. And something interesting here, this word for for helps us um, in the Greek uh, it's, it's actually three words, but it, it means, ultimately, to come to our mutual aid. And it's used only one other time in the Bible. And that, that's in Luke ten forty, where Mary and Martha were uh, with Jesus. And you remember this story. Mar- Martha was the busybody, working, trying to prepare things for Jesus. And Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. And Martha goes to Jesus and say, says, Jesus, get Mary to help me. And the reason that I bring this up is because I want you to understand what's going on. When it's using the word that the Spirit helps us, this is not the idea of the Spirit just works alone. This is the idea that there's a co-working here. And what we'll see in a moment, in a moment, is that the Spirit is helping us as we pray. But the key that I want you to understand is the Spirit is helping us here so that we are not inactive. In fact, it tells us that the Spirit helps us when we don't know what to pray, which by definition means that we're attempting to pray, right? So the third thing that I want you to see, the Spirit helps us, is that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And I hope over the past three weeks, one of the things that you have understood is that you have understood the weakness of being in these bodies as believers who are awaiting our heavenly bodies and what is to come. That although we've got the Holy Spirit working in us, the Spirit of God in us, we've got the word that we are still in a position of weakness. And in the the Bible tells us part of this weakness, it says in the same way it also helps in our weakness, for, for, so as evidence of this weakness or a result of this weakness is you don't know what to pray for. Now, notice the Bible is not saying you don't know how to pray. Paul is telling us you don't know what to pray for. And what our text is telling us is in our weakness, Finite, fallible bodies. That there are times when we go to the Lord in prayer. And we don't know what to pray for. Have you ever been there? I know that many of you have. Because many of you have shared this with me. Now I want to be careful here. I want to be careful. We could... Branch off into what is the will of God. But I I want to just say two things. There is a part of God's will that we know, right? There's a part of God's will that we know. We can read the Bible and understand part of God's will. Just one of them is this. God's will for you is, this is a Bible verse, is that you flee sexual immorality. So there are times, there has been times, this may shock you, but there have been times that I have had... um, People come into my office and say to me, uh, many, many, many years ago in another state, another place, I had a man come into my office and he said, uh, you know, Lewis, I hear you're a Christian counselor. I want to come to a Christian counselor. I say, great, you know, let's talk. And he said, listen, I'm praying through something and I just need help in this prayer. And I said, "Okay, what are you praying through? And he said, you know, um, my wife is awful and ornery and this sort of thing. And what I'm praying about is I'm praying about There's this other woman that I'm attracted to, and I'm just praying or not whether it's God's will that I have an affair and go with her. And I said, well, you've come to the right place because I know God's will for you. <laughs> and he looked at me like, it, I, he may have even said, you know, you hadn't even prayed about this. I said, look, I don't have to pray. God's word says thou shalt not, right? This is God's will. So when Paul is talking here, when we're talking here in this context about the will of God, we're talking about God's secret or his sovereign will about future things, things which we know not what they are. You understand what I mean there? Things in which we can't go to the Bible and it says, uh, thou shalt go to, I'm going to use a generic one, we're going to talk serious in a minute, but thou shalt go to this college versus that college, right? Right? I haven't seen it in the text. So as we are looking here, and as we're looking at what our weakness is, it's obvious by flowing from this text that that our weakness is, is that we don't know God's sovereign or hidden will. So that as we're in this world, and as we're suffering... And as we're going through hard times and as we have these fallible, finite brains and bodies, that there are times that we come up against situations where we need comfort and we don't know how to pray. We don't know how to pray according to God's will. And an example, I just had two examples of of what this may look like and uh, but an example would be something like this. And in, in time to time, and some of you who work closely with missionaries have heard this, that, um, that there may be a missionary out, on the, out in the field with his family, and that great persecution is coming, and the missionary is very confused about what to pray for. Should I stay or should I go? Very difficult. And that God, and sometimes... His will is to go, and other times God's will may be to stay. Difficult. Another example, and, and the examples can get heavier, much heavier than this, but another example would be if you have an unbelieving neighbor and you know that God wants you to step into his or her life and be a witness to them, how much do you step in? How often do you talk? You know, do you put billboards in your driveway? you know, and annoy them or whatever. And that we need to be praying through these things. In our finite, fallible beings, sometimes we have difficult times. um, And there are many times that there are very hard situations where there's no direct Bible verse, and so we need to pray. And the reason that we don't know is because of our weakness. And so we're not left guessing That would lead to losing hope. No, but God, we're going to see that God sustains us through His Spirit to help us in our weakness as we pray. So the fourth thing that I want you to see in this text as we're going through, the fourth thing that I want you to see is that God, in the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we know not how to pray or what to pray, uh, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And so we see how the Spirit helps us. And this is where things get deep and can get murky. But I think there's a lot that we can glean from this. But we see that how the Spirit helps us in our prayers is that he intercedes for us. And we know that this word intercede here means that he helps us. He pleads for us. And so the idea is that he is pleading for us. He's pleading with God on our behalf. He is Working, He's interceding for us with groanings. And the word here for groaning uh, really means wordless, divine articulations. How do you like that one? A lot of debate over this, but I want to just give you the literal wooden meaning and let us glean um, from this. So. To understand what in the world is going on here, I want to pause with how the Spirit does this, and I want to look at the result and then come back to the how. Does that make sense? Because I think if we pause, look at the result, it's going to inform, oh, I I can see how that's pieced together. So the result is really in verses 27, ultimately in verse 28, but let's look at verse 27 to see what happens as the Spirit is groaning and interceding for us. And, And we're going to, again, kind of, Stop and make some notes so that we're understanding and tracking with Paul. So it says that the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And then in verse 27, and he who searches the hearts. Now, who is it in the Old Testament and New Testament that searches the hearts? God. So God, he who searches the hearts. We know it's not the spirit because then this next phrase and knows the mind of the spirit is. So God is the one who searches the heart. We know, if we've, if we've read the book of John, that the fellowship of God with the Son and the Spirit, that they are all intertwined and they are all one, and that the Spirit knows the mind of God, and God knows the Spirit, that this inner Trinitarian relationship is something that we can't even fathom. It blows our mind. But what Paul is telling us here, as a result, God, who knows Who knows our hearts. God who knows the Spirit. And so what we have here is God searching our heart. And he sees... Notice this. He sees the Spirit's work in us. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. So he sees the work of the Spirit in us. Because he intercedes, the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so you get this thing going on here. And the result of the Spirit helping us is that when God searches our hearts and He looks in our hearts as the Spirit is helping us, what He looks in and sees is that He sees the work of the Spirit because He sees the will of God in our lives and He knows the Spirit has been here. Do we understand that? Take a breath. Now, what I'm hoping, as we take a breath, and then we go back to how the Spirit helps us, I hope that we'll understand what is going on here. That the Spirit is helping us with what to pray for. God's will. Not just words, but the Spirit is doing something in our hearts and in our mind, and in our lives. So that we're not just praying the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done. But that something has happened inside of us. And our whole soul. Our whole soul takes a posture of. Thy will be done. Now we begin to see. How this is so helpful. In the midst of suffering. In, in the midst of a decaying world. So. When a missionary on the mission field is faced with these tough decisions, this persecution, and he begins to pray, I believe that the Spirit helps. I believe that the Spirit helps, and his words, and his heart, and his soul, and his desire becomes to glorify God, and for God's will to be done, and he's comforted that God's will will be done. I, I'm, I, always, uh, I think I will probably always remember uh, we were with uh, Fozzie and Linda uh, at a meal somewhere, and uh, someone was asking about going to Jordan. And they asked this question to Fozzie, Is it safe? And Fozzie gets this little grin on his face. And Fozzie says, Is it safe? Sure, it's safe. When you're in God's will, it's always safe. Now, I had to pull this person aside later and say, Here's what Fozzie meant <laughs> Fozzie did not mean, did not mean that going to Jordan and helping him out means that you won't get put into prison. It means that if it's God's will for you to be in prison, that's the safest place for you to be because it's God's will for your life. And I needed to clarify that because I knew what Fozzie meant. I knew what that little grin meant that came upon his face. And so I want to come back to the how. Back to the how. So the Holy Spirit, so the how is he pleads and he advocates and he groans And so the question arises, and I think we can only see this by really thinking through this text and seeing it uh, for what it is. The question arises when it says that the Holy Spirit groans. Whose groanings is the Holy Spirit groaning? Does that make sense? Is it our groanings? Is it the Spirit's groanings? I think there's a third option. And the third option is, yes. It is our groanings and it's the Spirit's groaning. It's our groaning in that we're in a position where we are weak. It's our groaning because I think that the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. And these are deep things, folks, but it's important. And I think part of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life when we are facing difficult things is that the Holy Spirit gives us groanings. Meaning, (laughs) we can go off the ledge here, we're on a tight precipice as we're walking here. Meaning, meaning that the Holy Spirit knows our weakness, understands where we are, And begins to work in us a longing to do God's will. Begins to work in us a longing to glorify God. Begins to work in us a longing to magnify Christ in the situations in which we find ourselves. And that is not natural, as Kurt reminded us of earlier. That is not what natural man and woman does. And so as we pray, the Holy Spirit gives us this longing and gives us this groaning. Remember, in 27, it says that God searches the heart and sees the Spirit's work, this conformity, this desire. And so I think that it's our groanings. I also think it's the Spirit's Groanings, not only does he give us, but it does talk about that the Spirit is groaning as He advocates to the Father in this wordless, as one commentator puts it, this wordless Trinitarian talk. I don't know what that means, but that as the Spirit and God are communicating, that the Spirit is taking this groaning and he is giving it, presenting it to God, and this groaning, this groaning and this desire is for. God's will. And this is an example of how our turmoil, our prayer turns to joy and comfort and risk. And I want to I give you an example. Um, uh, Betsy has blessed me and doesn't even know it. <laughs> about a year ago, she gave me a book. Um, and uh, as I was reading the book, it talked about this book, and I've been reading, both the books have been a blessing, but this book is The Life and Diary of David Brainerd. Who was uh, an American missionary to the Native Americans? Short life. But it's really interesting. You talk about groaning and you read this man's work and you hear groanings. And let me just read you two days here. Saturday, August 21. Was much perplexed in the morning. Towards noon, enjoyed God more, enjoyed more of God in secret. Was enabled to see that it was best to throw myself into the hands of God. To be disposed of according to his pleasure and rejoiced in such thoughts. In the afternoon, road to New Haven was much confused all the way. Just at night underwent such a dreadful conflict as I scarce have ever felt. I saw myself exceedingly vile and unworthy so that I was guilty and ashamed that anybody would bestow any favor on me or show me any respect. The Lord's Day, August 22nd, the next day. The morning continued still in perplexity. In the evening, enjoyed that comfort that seemed to me sufficient to overbalance all my late distresses. I saw that God is the only soul-satisfying portion and really found satisfaction in Him. My soul was much enlarged in sweet intercession for my fellow men everywhere and for many Christian friends in particular in distant places. This book is filled with this kind of language and is so Helpful to me because it shows the roller coaster of our emotions in our life and the need to go after God hard in prayer and to know that God works through the Spirit in our lives. So the point of today is that the Holy Spirit is at work as we pray. He's putting groanings in us. He's putting God's will in us. Our love for God in us. And uh, there was a quote. that. Oh, here it is. And I love this. I, I love this quote. Think about how awesome this news is. The spirit of God groans within us. The spirit of God groans with us. The spirit of God groans for us. And the Spirit of God groans over us. And we need to be amazed at this gift of God. That as we pray, as we go before the Lord, that the Spirit of God is working in us to conform us to get to a place to where we can joyfully and wholeheartedly say, Thy will be done. And I believe, and I believe, that God, through His Spirit, speaks to us and leads us and guides us as we're submitting to His will. Do you? I've talked to many of you. I've seen it in many of your lives and in many of your stories, that if you have submitted yourself to prayer... And that if you have gone to the Lord, that the Lord has met you there in deep despair and in deep complexity and in deep confusion. And I've seen this process in your life where God takes you from uh, uh, being in a world that seems hopeless and uh, this sort of thing to, to giving you hope and then gently leading the next step along the way in your life. And so this morning, I want to challenge us And ask us, how is our prayer life? And you may tell me this morning that, you know, I pray and I plead, but nothing happens. And I think one of the hardest things in the Christian life to do is to submit to the will of God when the answer is wait. I think it's one of the hardest things I've had to do. But I think if we pray and we pray earnestly and as we're going after God, that the Holy Spirit will work in our life and even in that circumstance, lead us into what God's will is and God's will for our life is waiting and that we can wait in confidence, that we can wait in hope. And part of the reason that I think this text is pushing us this way is because next week What's coming is some of our favorite, some of our, our favorite verse. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. All things, even the waiting, is working for our good. The problem is, I think many of us, Lewis, wants to inform God how my prayers should be answered. And and there was a quote, and I don't know the direct quote, but uh, it's been meaningful to me by Tim Keller. And he said this. Tim Keller says that if if we were God, or if we knew everything that God knew, that we we would answer our prayers in the exact same way as God answers them. That's profound. It has helped me. That if we knew everything that God knew, we would answer our prayers in the exact same way that God answers them, and I believe that the Spirit helps us. Now, I want to give you an example of this. I have, um, I guess, I was thinking about this mainly this week because my uh, my father got a uh, chance to preach on Wednesday night at uh, Silverdale Baptist. That's where they're going now, and so uh, I went over there to hear him preach and was just thinking back over kind of his life and what he 's meant to me, and uh, some of the things that i 've learned from him over the years um, uh, and, and just amazing learned from his failures as long with, as long uh, along with his successes and just just you know he 's just been willing to be a transparent person and 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 probably one of the most meaningful times in my life um, uh, with him was uh, my dad was pastoring a rather large church um, you know we were uh, some great things were going on there. Uh, we were kind of paycheck to paycheck. That's how we lived. I remember we didn't think much about it then, but we went to McDonald's once every two weeks, and that was the splurge in those days. Um, uh, but, but just, uh, you know, so Dad was preaching in this church, and uh, uh, I'll never forget the day that he comes home in tears, After a business meeting, some of you, even the word of business meeting causes you to twinge a little bit. It does in me. Uh, He comes home in tears, and he, I'm sure he talked with my mother first, but my memory is that he gathers all of us kids into his room. And through tears, says, um, kids, it has. these aren't the exact words, but it has seemed fitting to God that I should step down from the church. In paint. Tears. This was not as stoic as I'm making it. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what's going to happen next. But I want you kids to know that God is with us. And he'll lead us wherever we need to go. And I think back over that. And that was not my dad saying, we won't miss a meal. We won't have to sell the house. We won't have to do these things. That was my dad saying, I've met with later. He told me um, he, later. I, uh, later in life, I asked him about that and he about his process and leaving that church. And he talked about the times he spent um, uh, on in solitude and in prayer, and just grew convinced that this was the right move to make through pain and through turmoil. That God's spirit emboldened him and met him there and gave him confidence gave him confidence that God was working all things for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. So brothers and sisters, do you find yourself today perplexed? Do you find yourself suffering? Do you find yourself in a time of need? And is it the kind of need that you go to the God's Word and, and it may inform your decisions, but it leads you to a place where you just can't get a reasonable, rational grasp on what to do next. I would bid you to go to our Lord in prayer and trust that the Spirit will work in and through you and lead you and guide you in God's will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we... As Kurt read and prayed earlier. God, I desire all of you. God, I pray that we are a people who consistently long for and see you. As the all satisfying object of our affections. and object of our soul. So that when we come to you in prayer. As we come to you in prayer. That the spirit guides and molds our hearts and our souls. And our groanings. To long for the will of God. So that when we pray. Thy will be done. It's not a tagline at the end of a prayer. But it's the earnest desire of our heart. Thy will. Even if thy will means persecution, pain, abandonment, turmoil. That God, we have confidence in you. Our hope is in what is not seen. But our hope is in something that is sure. God, we love you. Help us to grow in our love for you. And we're so thankful for your son, Jesus who's the only way that we have this relationship to you and the only way that we can come to you in prayer. In whose name we pray, amen. Now this morning... uh...